0: Well, good morning. Uh, thank you, Chris, for that introduction. And I certainly did marry up. Uh, my wife, Naomi, can you stand as quickly just you wave? It's my wife, Naomi. And, uh, I, her. and I am so uh, excited uh, to be here with you all this morning. Uh, I love what God is doing uh, through your church and your ministry. Uh, he is having an impact across the greater Los Angeles and certainly at the church where I pastor, only ten minutes away, Community of Faith Bible Church. Uh, through just a vision that you all have of praying for churches around our city, we've adopted that and said so we're praying. We pray for you all, as you all pray for us as well. And I, I thank the Lord for that that vision. I, because I'm convinced of this: as the Lord Jesus Christ has saved, I, I'm assuming many, many of us. Uh, He has saved us for a purpose, has he not? Amen. That he wants us to reach our city through the gospel and see sinners transformed and continually made more and more like him. And we want to do that well, amen? Amen. I think all of us want to stand before our Lord Jesus Christ and hear, Well done, that good and faithful servant. We certainly want to do that well. Community of the Church, I know you are all laboring uh, to hear that praise from our King. What an awesome moment that's going to be, that we're going to see our King and hear from Him well done if we're faithful at the task that He has given us to do. But in order to do what He has called us to do well, there's a way that we have to do it. That he just called us to go out and reach sinners with the gospel and see his transforming power. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. To see that and to see sinners who know God by grace and faith in Jesus Christ, watching their lives now transformed into greater likeness to him. There's a way that he wants us to do that. And that way is described for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm going to invite you to turn there in your Bible. I'm going to read this text. And after I read this text to us, then I'm going to pray and we'll walk through it together with this hope, with this encouragement that God speaks to us through His Word. He will tell us how it is we can go about doing His work, His way, and in an effective way that, that, that will bring Him great glory. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I'm actually going to pick it up at the end of chapter 12, the last part of verse 31. And I'm reading out of the New American Standard and it says this in my Bible. And I will, and I, and I show you a still more excellent way. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy, And know all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith, so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and surrender my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Love is patient, love is kind, and is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant, does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account the wrong suffering, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. You bow me as we pray. Lord Jesus, we are excited to gather together as your people, as your body, as a living temple, knowing that you are here. And for the, the, the awesome gift of your amazing grace to to offer you our worship through our, our gifts and through our, our songs and in our prayers and and now, Lord Jesus, to sit at your feet and to have you our, our King through your 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 Word instruct us how we can yet better serve you. So, Lord, I just pray that you would guard Lord uh, the words that I would say that that I would. Be accurate, and I pray that you guard our ears, that we be very discerning, and like a Bereans, Lord, just take away that which is true, and that by the power of your Spirit, that we would see ourselves living, Lord, in light of the truth of your word. So bless us in the hearing of your word, I ask. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. 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 First Corinthians is just an amazing passage, is it it not? um, It's used at weddings. Even unbelievers know. The great love chapter in the Bible. Love is a wonderful thing. But sadly and tragically in our culture, very few people know what it really means. We use love in all kinds of ways and, uh, that don't reflect at all what Paul has taught us in this passage. We, we, we we see love movies and if I can be bluntly honest, so many of these love movies that Hollywood talks about, it's not love at all. Not only is it lust, it's fornication and sin. But, but, but we've, we've read these stories and seen these things, and they don't reflect what God talks about as love. And sometimes we think of love as just this feeling, and it's these feelings that we have generated by, like sometimes our hormones, and, but, but, but that's not love either. And so I can, I can love a hamburger, I can love uh, french fries, I can love, I can love all kinds of things. I can use that word in so many ways, it almost loses its meaning. So what does the word love really mean? Because God has called us to love one another. That here in this church in Corinth, they had many gifts, many abilities, they had great knowledge, and here it is, they were failing miserably at what God had called them to both be and do as a church. When you read through the book, they have all kinds of problems, they have moral problems, they have doctrinal problems, they have... Relational problems, they had schisms, and they had the divisions between their gender roles, they didn't understand men and women roles, they didn't understand even simple things like, like how to have communion, they were, they were leaving the poor on one side while those who had meat were eating, and then they had all these divisions around, I'm a Paul, I'm a Cephas, and here the Lord Jesus Christ died not for a divided body, that we'd be united and serving each other so that we'd want more and more like Christ and they were failing miserably. And so here they're going to try to fix that in these first four verses. Don't do it this way. You can't simply rely on your eloquence if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels that, that I can have the tongue of angels. See, and he was speaking hyperbolically. He had the language of tongues. He didn't have the, the language of angels. But he said, even if I had all of that, but if I don't have love, I have become a noisy dung or a clanging symbol. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge. He had the gift of prophecy, but he didn't know all mysteries and all knowledge. He was not omniscient. He said, but he if I had all of that, he said, if I have all faith so I can remove mountains, if I have the power by faith to remove mountains, I'm omnipotent, I'm mission, about all of that, he says, that if I don't have love, I'm nothing. And if I'm if i I'm the most zealous, the most zealous Christian on the planet, I give all my possessions to feed the poor, I surrender my body to be burned, I, I make the ultimate sacrifice, take everything away, even my body, I've done all of that. I have the eloquence of angels. I, I have all the knowledge. I have all the power. I have all the deal. I have all of that. But I'm not serving of love. You know what Paul concludes? That I am nothing. I am accomplishing nothing. I gain nothing. I simply spun my wills and I'm failing. And he's describing a real church scribe the church of Corinth. All the gifts and all the towns, all the ghosts. they were spinning their wheels and failing because they weren't doing what God had called them to do. The way God called them to do it. Our greatest command is to love God. And the second is to love one another. And God has left us in the dark, how to do that? You can get a Webster's Dictionary. You won't figure out what the word love means. Our world doesn't know what the word love means. But God this inspired text gives us revelation, tells us what love really is. How we're we really supposed to go about doing the ministry that He's called us to do. Paul calls this the more excellent way, in the end of verse 31. There's wow. so all kinds of ways you can try to do what God's called us to do. I can use my gifts, I can use my talents, I can be zealous, I can rely on knowledge, I can rely on all these things. And Paul says, No, use your gifts, use your talents, use, you use all that. But you have to do it. And love. So what is this love thing? That if I can't find it in a words dictionary. How can I know what this love is? Well, here it is where it's described in what I'm going to give you 16, or actually 15, 15 descriptions of love from this text in front of us today so that we will walk away knowing what God has called us to do and how he's called us to do it because we'll know what love really is. And verse 4 begins with these descriptions, and again, I'll give you 15 of them. The first one is this, that love is patient. The love is patient. And this isn't clear in our English text, but let me try to make it clear what Paul is doing. That Paul is not simply describing love like I would describe this room, you know, the color of this room and the carpet, that love is this thing, and I, I can describe it with all these adjectives, that love is this and love is that. Um, these aren't adjectives. Paul is describing some abstract thing out there called love. The, the way the Greek text really reads, when it says love, it doesn't say love is, and so that, it's, you know, I'm connecting love with some description. Love is patient, and I have all these descriptions, all these adjectives that I can understand what love is like. Paul's not doing that in his text. There, these aren't adjectives. These are all verbs. Amen. So he's not talking about this thing out there, love, that with Christ died for us, and God saved us, that we now have the love of God in and flowing through us. And so what Paul is saying, this is what love does. These are action ideas. That love does something. That now that you have the love of God formed out of your heart, it does something. And he's describing what it does. And and love does these 15 things. That love, patience. If I can make up a word. That love, patience. And that's what Paul is describing for us here, first of all. That love it manifests this patience towards people. Guess what love does? Uh, love, love is it's almost like the farmer. It, 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 it plants a seed or plows the ground. It plants a seed and waters. It's so patient. It, it, it doesn't give up easily. It's just patient and it, it's okay waiting. It, it, it waits within the consciousness. Minister to a young believer. It waits in the context of sharing the gospel with your neighbor. This is, I try to like give up. It just it just waits. Love is is patient. Love is patient. And that's what Paul is telling us. That's what it does. Love acts patiently. Not only that, but love is it acts kindly. It is kind. It, it, this is goodness in action. That, that love is patient with people. Uh, it doesn't... It, it waits. And then not only that, but love is kind. This is uh, an attribute that God has. It is the kindness of God that led us to repentance. It's that's uh it, it's, it's when the man gets up and offers a seat. It's the last time we seen that. <laughs> <laughs> or opens the door for, you know, a young lady or... I love is kind. It does deeds of goodness. This is a story told of, uh, President, uh, Thomas Jefferson is riding on a horse, he's riding horseback across a river. And, and the text says, a wafer stood at the banks. Our story says that, there's a wafer stood at the banks as a group passed by. When Jefferson approached, he hailed him and asked if he could carry him across the river on his horse. And once on the other side, one of the group asked why he selected the president to ask this favor of the president. The man said with surprise, I didn't know he was the president. All I know is that uh, on some of the faces it was written no, and then on his face it was written yes. He just saw a willingness to do an act of goodness on the face of, of the president. And, and, and here when we come and we're serving each other, it's out of kindness. We, 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 we're patient with each other and we want to serve. And people see that. We're not annoyed. And the purpose of serving is, is kindness, this goodness in action that, 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 that God's love in it us does. It does this. When we're walking by the power of the Holy Spirit in God's love, it moves us to wait, to be patient. And it moves us to do what we do out of, out of kindness. Towards one another, and then love thoroughly is not jealous. It's not. It's not envious. Uh, it is not uh, dissatisfied um, when others are blessed and when others are prospering. We rejoice with those who rejoice, and we don't. Just, we don't just get upset that that they have something that I wanted and they got it and, and, and I did and that we, we rejoiced that there was a lot of rivalry going on in the church in Corinth and they were fighting for places and positions and acknowledgement and here that they, they were jealous of the success or the blessings that others were receiving around them and here Paul says, love doesn't do that love love doesn't act with jealousy or envy does it doesn't it it, it rejoices with those who rejoice. That's what love does. And I love how your pastor articulates this. You know, you know, as we're praying for each other's church, what do you do if you're praying that God would bless your church? Or let me just say this God blesses the church in Greater Los Angeles, but the church down the street is the one who's getting all the new members. <laughs> as a pastor, you know, you really want to struggle through that. Like, Lord, I'm praying that you bless LA, but. Uh, I was really praying to my church. <laughs> or the church where I have to serve. Let me say it that way. Uh, but we need just to rejoice when we see the goodness of God working in and through others and blessing others. That's what love does. And so here, I forget the Webster's Dictionary, that I, I want to do what God has called me to do the way God has called me to do it, which means I have to do it in love and this is when I'm walking by the power of the Spirit with the love with, 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 with which I've been loved by, and it, it would do this in me. It moves me not to be jealous Amen. and to cringe at the success of others. And love doesn't brag. Uh, love doesn't parade itself. Uh, and, and I, you know, and I love coming into churches where there's love because people come in and they're really interested in you. You know, Jim came up to me. Was talking to me. Lance came up was talking to me. They, they, they would to bless these Christians around them. They want to know why? Why has God sent this person to us? I want to see what God what God wants us to do for this person. And so you're thinking about not me and myself. You think about that other person. That love isn't self-centered. It's other-centered. Amen. And it's, it doesn't parade itself. It's not looking for applause. It's, it's not about me. It's not about posting something on Facebook and then spending all day long looking like a Christmas present. How many people are gonna like what I posted, <laughs> or no, my picture, or? Just love is just it's a, it's a other kind of thing. It's, it's looking for others. It's not. It doesn't brag. It doesn't. It's, it doesn't boast. It's not self centered. It's not about me. It's about Christ. It's glory. And then six, love is not arrogant. It's not puffed up. It doesn't have an over exaggerated opinion of oneself either. So it's not bragging. It's not talking about ourselves all the time or promoting ourselves. Nor is it arrogant. It doesn't have an over inflated estimation of ourselves. Uh, and some of you all know about one of the most braggadocious uh, athletes ever Muhammad Ali. <laughs> I love Muhammad Ali. He's just amazing. Uh a boxer. But, but Muhammad Ali had an ego that was so gigantically huge. One time he was flying on a plane somewhere and he didn't have a seatbelt on. So the waitress, uh, the stewardess came by and said, uh, you know, very respectfully, Mr. Ali, um, you have to put it on your seatbelt. And Ali said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. <laughs> 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 to which she replied, uh, Mr. Ali's, Superman, don't need a either. <laughs> that we can have these over-inflated egos and be arrogant. And and what do we have that we haven't, that we weren't given by God's grace? Amen. Everything that we have is given. So all the glory goes to him, all the praise goes to him. And so there's no ego fighting in churches where, I, well, that's my ministry or that's my seat or why wasn't I recognized? Why didn't they, you know, they think so for doing that. And I've been doing this for 10 years and no one ever thanked me. What I do is so important and me and that's, No, that's, no. That's, that's not how we love one another. That's not how we do what Christ has called us to do. That our, if we're not, we don't walk in arrogance. It's not about us. And then, Paul also adds that love does not act unbecomingly, and I I like that definition, that love doesn't act unbecomingly, it certainly includes being rude, Um, but but it just means like inappropriate or inappropriate or ill-mannered or disgraceful or something shameful, Um, love just doesn't do that, and it doesn't do it in the context of ministry to other people, and it doesn't do it online to doing the social media as well. It's, it's not true it's not that we are considering other people as more important than ourselves. We live in a context of a community, and I'm, I'm conscious of like, how my actions will be perceived and how my words will affect others. I'm conscious of that, and I'm not this, you we don't want to be dismissive of that. So if he just showed up at our church this morning, like I kind of laughed and I like, he didn't wear no ties. <laughs> that was funny. But he was, but he was in Rome. He was being considered on the fact that most of the folks in, in and after the church where I passed, they will. They'll have jackets and they'll have ties. I am so glad to come over here so I didn't have to have a jacket and a tie. <laughs> but he was just being considered. But, but I can just be rude. I don't I, I care what the customs are in the church. I'm going to dress however I want in the church and they'll have to deal with me. Not humble and I want to be considerate and I, I don't want to draw attention to myself and I want to be mindful of social mores and social standards and I want my behavior to be decent. I want it to be in order, um, and I, I want to be mindful of that. So so love doesn't act un, unbecomingly. And love does not uh, seek its own. And I think I've been saying this over and over again. That, that love isn't self-serving. Uh, When you read the the parable of the Good Samaritan, and you you read through that in Luke chapter 10, 29, now verse 35, and Jesus tells the story, answers the question of, who is my neighbor? And he tells the story of, there was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And then Luke 10, 31, Jesus adds this to the story. And by chance, a priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side, but a Samaritan. A Samaritan of all people, the Jews and Samaritans, had no dealings with one another because of the tension but that existed between them for hundreds of years. And here a Samaritan comes to deceased, this wounded Jew and he stops and he took compassion and he bandages up his wounds and he helped him. And he have to ask the question, why did the Samaritan stop? Why didn't the priest? Why didn't the Levi stop? And, 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 and I love how Martin Luther King says this. He said that the priest and the Levi asked the wrong question. That when they saw the Samaritans, they asked the question, what will happen to me if I stop? The robbers still might be here. I might be in danger. It might cost me too much. And they weren't even saying I might be defiled somehow because the text is saying they were coming down from Jerusalem. Whatever priestly functions they had, they had already fulfilled it. So there's no moral religious excuse that they possibly could have had. So they see him just asking the question, what's going to happen to me? But the Samaritan flipped the question and asked, what will happen to this man if I don't stop? And so he wasn't seeking his own. He was thinking about the Samaritan. This man could die if I don't stop. This man could die if I don't take what I have and for this obviously very time to serve someone in great need. And so here what love does, is not seeking its own it's not self-serving in a sense. That the love really, it just sees needs and it's asking what can I do. It's, it's not asking what can the church do for me and I've been coming here for so long and they have done this and they should form of a group for me and they should do this. And that. But the love is asking what can I do for others. Jesus has done enough for you <laughs> that jesus does so much for you you can spend the rest of your life spending the infinite amount of grace he's given you the infinite amount of love that he's given you and you'll never be in need of anything so he wants us just to look around us and see the needs and just just to give and to give and to serve and to not think about ourselves that's what that's what love does love and action is an action idea. God's god so love the word that he gave the love is It's just the action idea. It's not describing something out there. It's just what God does in and through those whom he has loved so richly in Christ. And then 9, love or love is not provoked. Love is not provoked. It's not easily angered, uh, is the idea. It's not irritable that people don't have to walk around us on eggshells and do everything according to our expectations or they know they're going to get it. Uh, And and we just have to stop and ask the question, that us? You know, Dad? Is that you? at home? When you walk in, it's all everybody's like, "Oh, Dad's home!" <laughs> or grandpa's here, or grandma's here, or you know, so that 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 we we God wants us to walk in love in such a way where we're not easily irritated, and we don't really give ourselves over to anger. This is a true story about a man named Bruce Spitridge. Uh, he was being initiated as a cadet at Texas AM and uh, they had him run and run, and they forced him to run and to run and to run. And he dropped. He died. And Bruce's father wrote this letter to the administration, the faculty, the student body, and the corps, uh, and the cadets he said, "I would like to take this opportunity to express the appreciation of my family for the great outpouring of concern and sympathy from Texas A&M University and the college community over the loss of our son Bruce. We are deeply, we were deeply touched by the tribute paid to him in the battalion. We were particularly pleased to note that." His Christian witness did not go unnoticed during his brief time on campus. And he added, I hope it will be of some comfort to know that we harbor no ill will in this matter. We know our God makes no mistakes. Amen. Bruce had an appointment with his Lord and is now secure in his celestial home. And when the question is asked, why did this happen, perhaps the answer will be that so that many will consider where they will spend eternity. When his son died at a campus because of some initiation thing, and he wasn't easily angered. He, 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 wasn't, he saw it as a, an opportunity to gospelize in love those who were mustered, overcome with guilt, and he just had them think through just on an eternity basis. Like, what, what, how are you going to consider responding to this? He, he, he responded by trusting Christ. And our nation is just so torn right now. People are so easily angered, and all the riots and, and all the divisions that, that we all have some group. We all belong to some group. It's, you know, where you live, or, you know, I was a jock in high school. Some guys are, you know, my wife was like, I can say this. She, she, was, like, she was one of those like nerds, and she studied a whole lot. And so she, she's a cute nerd. So she studied a whole lot. We all have our little groups the like skateboarders or whatever. And we're comfortable in our groups. And our groups go more beyond just some casual interests that we may share together. They begin to actually form and shape our worldview, things we like and things we lean towards. And we find ourselves that happen even on political realms and things like that. But the church... The, the church can't find itself divided on all these secondary group things. All, all these other ways that we can identify ourselves with in our cults. all kinds of groups we can identify ourselves with. And we're finding ourselves, even as a church, being so identified with secondary groups in our our society that we're fighting each other over those things. Even our discourse online. we I mean, Christian brothers. You can't leave. We're so easily angered and irritated and we throw grace out the window and we fight each other over all kinds of things. As if the bride of Christ is going to fight each other on the street, out of public for the whole world to witness. We can't be easily irritated or angered. Um, and sometimes we have reasons to be angry, but there's never really any good reason to sin because you're angry. That's just wrong. Um, <clears throat> so love when it's acting. It's not. It's not. Ir- it's not irritable. It's not easily angered. And then ninthly, love does not take into an account a wrong suffered. It really doesn't keep a list. Let me just say it this way: it's not resentful. It's not unforgiving. Um, we recognize that no one will ever sin against us. That way we've Amen. I don't care what they've done, but no one ever sinned against you to the degree that you sin sinned against Christ. And so the way that Christ has forgiven us, we're willing to forgive those who have offended us in, in deep, profound ways. And if I were to ask, I'm sure all of us could tell stories how we have been deeply offended in some ways and deeply hurt. You know, when, when, when I proposed to my wife, who was this unromantic, um, uh, I told my wife that uh, I want to be a pastor in South Central and we may never, I'm not looking to make any money I just want to serve in the context of the community I grew up in so I may never buy you a new car, I may never buy you a house, we married <laughs> I, was, I wasn't a Christmas, so I said all right, forget the new car, forget the house, where I'm going I, I doubt if I'm going to get any kind of money like I would have struggle through financially. But then I also said, you know, I'm going to make you cry more than anybody else has ever made you cry before, um, because I'm a sinner. And I mean, I, I want to grow in God's grace. But when you're when you're that close, when, when when you're very close to someone, when they fail you, it really hurts. The people in your job fail you, somebody you don't even know on the road can cut you off. What? Well, I, I don't know that person. I, you know, don't let that ruin your day. I don't even know that person. But when 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 people who are close to you fail you like you know, it really hurts. And so we're, we're all going to live in a world where we're going to we have to endure wrongs done to us, even by people close to us. Listen, even in the church, people fail you in the church. Not just accidentally; they'll just fail you. And, and, and here, the, the, the love does something in that context. You know, love does it doesn't keep a list. Like, okay, I'm going to give that church one more chance. That's it. I'm out of here. I'm never coming back. And go where? Go to what church where you won't be fed? You now where are you going to go? <laughs> so love, but love, love, love doesn't. It. it moves us away from keeping a list. But love does. It covers a multitude of sins. It gives Amen. us the forbearance to endure difficult relationships. I had the great, great, great privilege of doing my parents' golden anniversary, 50 years. And my mom said while I was conducting the service that uh, that in order to make it to a golden anniversary, you have to be able, by God's grace, to forgive in a lot of small things. And you have to be able to forgive by God's grace in big things, too. But that's, that's how it works. And my dad told me when I was, when I was telling him I was proposing to Naomi, he, he looked at me and said, okay, I know how you feel. And he said, that, that's not going to keep your marriage together. So to keep your marriage together is making a commitment to just serve her. Amen. And, and that's and love does that. It, it's not serving because you merit it or you deserve it. You know, Christ loved us while we were yet sinners. And so, what love looks like, it, it just looks and it, it serves the way that God has blessed and served us. So it doesn't take into an account wrong service. There's no huge list that we all keep. Uh, love doesn't love doesn't do that. That's not love. Uh, and then, uh, ten, love does not rejoice in unrighteousness. And so let me just say it this way evil. Love doesn't rejoice in evil. In fact, if, and it's it hard for us to think about this, so what, what love does, love, love loves righteousness. And if love loves righteousness, then it's going to hate people. That we, we want a God who just is like this. Has one attribute, and the attribute is is, is love. And so God loves everything and loves everybody. God loves righteousness and holiness, and He's going to hate evil. And we have to love. Love actually doesn't rejoice in our righteousness. That that when we love, we we hate what sin does to people. That's what we gospelize. We hate what sin is doing to my brother. That's why I confront you and love. I speak the truth and love because I love you. I, I don't ignore sin. Because all I'm loving is that our church is loving. That's what the Church of Corinth did. They said, we're so loving, we're so gracious. we don't care if that man is living and fornicating with his stepmom. We don't care about that because we're so no racist and loving. And that love doesn't do that. Love gets involved. It gets messy. You, you, you love people. And so you get involved and you say things and you say it in love. And I'll touch that in a second. Um and, I, and it's hard for us to do this if, because we're saturated with a society that rejoices in evil. You just think about the digression of Hollywood. If I go back, and some of y'all remember this well, like, and I'm saying this not because I know personally, but in the 50s. You know, Hollywood had standards, a moral code, when they would make you know sitcoms or TV shows, and if there's a bedroom scene in the 50s. There were two beds, and you knew the marriage couple didn't have two beds, but there were always two beds, and nobody could ever be in it. <laughs> and then the next slide was, okay, somebody could be on it, but only one person at a time, and, and, and his foot always had to be on the floor. Hollywood had a self-imposed standard, not the lower the moral standard of his viewers. And then all of a sudden you go from the two beds to the foot on the floor, and like, hey, you can be a bed, but your foot's got to be sticking out of the bed. <laughs> And uh and where is that code going now? And you know what? Hell hollow to that code, they just want to make money. Christians just refuse to to, to go to movies where they were glorifying sin. Because Christians we love, they, they hated evil. They, they they hated it, they they hated evil, and Christians refuse to go and pay money to promote and a society evil and wickedness and fornication and adultery. But that, that day is long since gone. <laughs> you know, so many go down. There's always, you know, it's just one scene. It's always just two scenes. Uh, but, but but when we love, we, we will hate evil. And then, when we love, it, it, it causes us to rejoice, and I'll say it this way, with the truth. Love and truth get married together. That It's, it's a false dichotomy to say, that if you really love someone, then you won't say X, Y, and Z. That if you love them, you'll speak the truth. That Paul says it in Ephesians 4:15 that we speak the truth in love. But those two have to, to go together. And conversely, that the Psalms writes, in Psalm 119, verse 128, Therefore I esteem right all your precepts concerning everything I hate every false way. That Christians hate lies. We, 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 we hate it because we love truth. And love and truth are married together and they can't be separated. So we, we love truth because we have God's love. And God's love looks so different than the world's love. And then uh, verse 7. And, I, and here, I, 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 let me kind of I explain why the NIV translation, I think, is a little more helpful. The NIV says that love always protects. And so I I have actually adopted that that, that a better translation for verse seven words. And my Nazi, it bears all things. Uh, it, it, when you look up a word in a dictionary and have all kinds of different entries, like God, the word fly in the dictionary it might say insect or it might say travel by air, right? So I, I have to choose from the context which one fits best. So here it says love bears all things. And, and here the word really can mean to endure, but already have to endure at the end of that verse. <laughs> So it says endures all things, and so either, you know, for, for, for emphasis, Paul's going to say the same thing twice, or the word bear might mean something else. And in this context, the word bear actually has another dictionary entry. It means to cover. That, that, like, this root protects us from the sun, protects us from the rain. The word here can really be translated covers, and in this functional sense of what it does, belovedness, and covering it protects. And so love protects. Uh, and be a marine on that, but but, but but love protects, and so it it, it rejoices for the truth, it hates evil, it but, but also it protects, and we need that today. We, we need you know strong Christians. Uh, courage is an important virtue that that, that we can stand up and, and we can protect what's right, we can protect others, we can we can stand for the truth. Amen. Do, that, that, that it takes courage to do this sometimes. That that we, we 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 you know we we are humble and meek like like our Savior, but Paul says that we but we do war. We don't war according to the weakness of human flesh. We wage forward weapons that are divinely powerful for, for the destruction of fortresses. And so so, so we're, if we fight for the gospel. We defend the gospel, which was, which is the once for all delivered to the saints. That that that, that if good people do nothing and if we say nothing. That's our evil triumphs. Amen. I'm actually I was almost fell out of my chair. I am pregnant. I don't know what to do. That I just found out that the ACLU and LGBTQ communities have now have the legal right to get all of the sex ed curriculum in California. So my community in Inglewood, I'm I'm on the board of a ministry a, a ministry of oh, it's not 19 profit nonprofit a non-religious group called Clarence. It is a clinic in the hospital right beside where I live and they have like diverted like five hundred young ladies last year from not having to keep them from having abortions. And so I try to support them. And they have a curriculum that they're going to public high schools with and now the ACLU is pulling that curriculum. They teach us abstinence because everybody has to hear about you know same sex and how that works. And so I I I'm sitting as a dad, I'm sitting as a you know, light in the midst of a dark community, salt in the midst of this community, ask, what, what does God have us to do? And I think we have to do something. Say, amen. amen. And then we have to respond. That love protects I want to protect the young girls in my community. I want to protect the young men in my community. So we have to say something. We have to do something. Amen. God so loved the world that He, he gave. He did something. Love really is an action idea. You, you, have, you have to do something. And if you don't move with it. If you're not stirred with compassion enough to respond, then what are we expecting to do? How is it going to get done? And so what Paul says is that love, it just it it just moves. It is powerful. It, it, it's better than it eloquence. Better than just blind zeal. It's just it's better than having knowledge in my head. We think sometimes I know it because it's in my head, but knowing it in a biblical sense is when I'm doing it. Well, love, I know love when I'm doing what love calls me to do, and love calls us to protect. Love believes all things. Um, that, that means that love trusts. It, uh, it gives the benefit of the doubt. That we're not suspicious of everybody and everything. We're not gullible, but love is trusting. Uh, and, and and sometimes you'll you'll you know you'll be taken advantage of for that. I, but, but but love is trusting, and, and and it builds relationships based upon that. So we can build deep, intimate relationships that are built on trust. That love believes and trust, and then love hopes all things. And love is so optimistic, is it not? It, it doesn't always focus on past failures. It looks forward to the future. I mean, I. And, and you know, my kids are involved in like little league baseball, uh you know, growing up and you're sitting there as the a dad, and I'm so competitive. My group, so I grew up, you know, kind of doing a sports so competitive. I'm sitting there and the game is tied you got face loaded and oh no, not that little kid coming up oh, gonna lose the game. <laughs> but 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 you said hope! And, and, and all my kids will be great at this and that the other, but you can say do your best! You can take those opportunities and try to encourage. That, ah, yeah, I hope we can do it this time. You know, swing the daddy a you, please don't just stand like a statue. <laughs> <laughs> the ball might hit your back. <laughs> <laughs> and so we, we hope, we right? pray. Christians are optimistic people because um, we not because every situation is going to work out, we don't live in a fairy tale. But but because we love. Amen. That's, that's what love does. It, it hopes. It's optimistic. It looks forward to the future. Not always bringing up everybody's past failures and you're not this, you're not that, and you did this. It's like, I hope we can get it right this time. I'm going to pray for you and encourage you. Let's meet Because I know the power of the gospel. I know what God can do in this so let's just get together. Well, so you should hear my story. You know, and, you know, um, Chris shared my testimony. So you know, this guy, is free preacher. At, I was at Cal State actually transferring to UCLA. He shared the gospel with me. And I just said, why? I didn't, know, I didn't know anything about the Bible. No one had ever shared the gospel. Can you imagine? I'm 20 years old. I live in a Christian nation America. And I've never read gospel. Ever. And so here it is. I'm seeing this guy on camera with the Bible. He's sharing the gospel. And I'm watching him. And I'm like, wow, I don't know anything about the Bible. But... Heard is the word of God, and I wanted to hear it. So I'm like just standing there, everybody's mocking Ed, making fun of Ed, walking by Ed, and I, and I wanted to, I wanted to to, to 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 hear what he had to say. So I'm listening, and he noticed that I was paying attention, so he started talking to me like one on one and coming over to me, and he's saying that Christ will forgive me my, my sins. I'm like, really? I wouldn't thought I was unforgivable. Like now, God's not gonna forgive me. Like, Ed. okay, I know that could work for some people. You have no idea what I've done. And no, he, he said, no, Christ will forgive you. That's why he, that's why he died on the cross for sinners. And I, I was like stunned. And I couldn't stop thinking about that. So they kept sharing with me and teaching me. And then he said, uh he and then he asked me if I would pray a sinner's prayer, and and then it just fear came over me. I said, you know, I think because I think God will save me, if I pray this prayer, he might save me. <laughs> and that means I would be like, and hey, I don't care. Wait going to God, I'm I can't do that. I was way too cool. I'm like, I can't be that guy. So I, so I said no, and I backed up, and I'm like, and whenever I would see Ed on campus, I would literally walk on the other side of campus trying to get around so he wouldn't see me anymore. And then I did transfer to UCLA. When I was in the midst of the transfer, my sister invited me to church. And I wanted to hear more about the Bible. I just didn't want anybody to know I wasn't a Christian and stop making me feel guilty, but I wanted to hear more about the Bible. So I said, oh, no. And I went to a Baptist church. Now, mind you, I've never been in like, a Baptist church. I didn't go to church. I, I sat all the way in the back. And I'm just blend in. Nobody's going to know I'm not a Christian. I'm going to blend in. And so I'm sitting in the back of the church. And at the end of the service, the pastor, I want everybody's head bowed and everybody's eyes closed. And you want me to pray for you? then just raise your hand. I'm like, well, nobody can see somebody to for me. So I raised my hand. And he prayed. And then he said, And then he had everybody open their eyes and lift their head. He said, now, if you raise your hand, I want you to come forward. I'm like, I knew it. I knew it! And so he waited, and I waited, and he waited. My sister said, i walk down there with your body. I so said, I'm not going down there. I'm not going down there. And I refused to go down there. And then, uh, when I got home, I couldn't run anymore. God just loved me too much. Amen. And I'm going to assume... It didn't compare it to the love that I, was, that I was convincing me that he had for me in Christ. So I got on my knees and said, God, if you could change my life, that's what I want. And I was born again. My sins were washed away. And then I, 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 I got in my car and drove back to Cal State, LA, 20, 30 miles away. And I looked for Ed. And I told Ed, I said, you know Ed, the Lord Jesus Christ saved me. You know what Ed said? I've been praying for you all this time. He didn't give up. He, the, the, the Christian love, that it moves us to hope all things. It, it makes us optimistic. If God would save a Christian terrorist like Paul, who's to say he won't save your lost neighbor? Who's to say he won't save that fool of a friend that you grew up with? Who's to say that God won't do that? Amen. So love just hopes all things. And we love. That's what we do. And then lastly, love endures all things. That love not only is patient with people and difficult people, and we all have difficult people in our lives, and even in the church. I know you're not one of them, but there are difficult people <laughs> in the church. But but love often endures difficult circumstances. And that's what Paul is saying here, that it recognizes God's sovereignty. And so you don't give up through the hard seasons of a church. You don't we just don't that's we don't Love doesn't do that. It just doesn't throw up his hands and, and give up in hopelessness. the love endures all things. Listen to what Job said in chapter 6, verse 10. But it is still my consolation, and I rejoice in unsparing pain that I have not denied the words of the Holy one. That God, by his compassion and grace, enabled Job just to cling on and not to be to give up under the circumstances that he was in, cursed God and died that God enabled Joe just to cling on by his grace. So, uh, Votie Bacchus says this, and I've quoted it to my wife several times. You can go through hard seasons in marriage. You, you can. Those of you who are older than I am know that, and those of you who just got married, please know that. Uh, one of my seminary professors said, you know, uh, I've been happily married for uh, 29 years. And that's not bad for having been married for 31 years. I was supposed to be you. <laughs> yeah. but, but, but you can go through seasons in marriage that are pretty hard. So, Bobby Bob and him his wife? He said, Girl, if you ever leave me, I'm going with you. That's <laughs> <laughs> my wife like, you, You're not getting rid of me. I'll be chasing you around Africa. We're to be But love endures all things. Love endures all things. And, and I get it that, that life can be very hard sometimes and we will go through hardship. God knows that. But he also wrote the end of your story. And the end of the story is just the most amazing love story that's ever been told. And let me say this by way of conclusion. Because love, it just doesn't end, it doesn't fail. But nothing can separate you from the love of Christ. Amen. You'll never run out of love to give to others. And we have this occasion in the context of the body of Christ just to give away love. The love that God has given to us. And it never ends, it never dries up. And this is the more excellent way. If, if, if you want to, to hear the Well done, Bethany Baptist Church, then the way that you hear that is to, to, to do ministry the way God has called us to do ministry. And the most important thing to God is to minister your people, to evangelize lost sinners, and to move those around you towards edification. And the most powerful way to do that is to do it in love. Amen. Just to do it in love. And what is love? Well, literally, love is patient, it's kind. Kindness in action. That love is not jealous, it doesn't brag, it's not arrogant, it doesn't act unbecomingly, it doesn't seek its own, it's not easily provoked, it does not take into account the wrong suffering, it, it does not rejoice in evil, it rejoices with truth, it bears, it, it protects all things, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things, and let me say it this way. If we say, Well, that's too hard to do, well, um, in our own power it certainly isn't. But, but if I resign because that's too hard to do, then that's not the way that I have to do ministry. Then what I'm saying is this. Then I'll be at, you know, Bethany Baptist Church, but I'll be impatient. I'll be unkind. I'll be jealous. I'll be boastful. I'll be arrogant. I'll be rude. I'll be self-centered. I'll be easily provoked. I'll be unforgiving. I'll rejoice in evil and lies. I won't bear anything. I won't trust anyone. I'll be a discourager. I want to do all things. And then the church fails. Then the church fails. Marriage fails. Family fails. Everything fails. So, so listen to me. Uh, Kiss, listen to me. Um, so if if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, and you know his love, then you have to love mommy and daddy. They won't always do everything right. And they certainly won't try to give you everything that you want because it's not about you. So you have to love. You know, uh, listen, husband and wife, you have, to, you have to love. You have to love each other. Mm-hmm. And this is what love is. You have to be very patient, very kind. Um, that's what love does. You know? Pastors and deacons and deaconesses, and you, this is how you serve in the context of the church. This is what you do. And uh, and you know what will happen in you? And you will experience the wonderful blessings of what God has done. Bless you to experience, and that is love. There's nothing greater than love, and you will experience. And this would be people will walk in and others say, "What is this place?" So they'll watch, like, who, "Who are those people?" Because by this, even unbelievers will know that they, They're different. That they they are genuinely been saved and transformed by Jesus Christ. Unbelievers will even say that, because Jesus said that would be true of us. Amen. 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 Let's bow together. And I'm going to give you just a moment just to reflect on the word that was preached and ask yourself, how I can God help me to love better? And you know the ways that you need to grow in love. And let me say this. God by grace will help you do that. This is a prayer he answers. Help me to love better. And in these areas of struggling, he will help you to do that. And the next voice you hear will be past by us.